This is an exclusive presentation of WoWo 1190 AM and 107.5 FM, Unholstered. Here we go. Welcome back to another edition of Unholstered. Glad you're able to hang out with us. My name is Kayla Blakesley. I am one of your hosts here on Unholstered. And every weekend, I sit alongside my co-host, Sophia. Good morning, everyone. My name is Sophia Rosales-Scatina. I am a captain with the Fort Wayne Police Department. And welcome to our show, Unholstered, where you get an intimate look into policing. Yeah, what's really cool about this show is that no topic is off limits. Uh, We say that almost every week. We talk about mental health. We talk about drugs. We talk about the border. I mean, we talk defund the police, all of it. No topic is off limits. If you've actually ever missed any previous episodes of Unholstered, you can download the Unholstered podcast pretty much anywhere you can download a podcast. Obviously, Sophia is here and represents the uh, police side. I am here representing the local media side. And like Sophia said, we have teamed up together to share and tell all of the stories about policing that just quite frankly don't often get told. And Sophia, I hate the story that we have to tell today. Yeah, me um, too. Yeah, it, it's awful. I know um, people who listen to my radio program during the week here in our community are really well aware of this story. But almost a week ago now, it was uh, last Sunday, early Sunday morning, actually. Actually, it was sun- this past Sunday. So, this, so tomorrow, this ago. Sunday will be yeah. a week ago. Yeah. Yes. We had a 24-year-old officer, Noah Shanavase. He was shot and killed during... What I believe was a fairly routine traffic stop. He was wearing a vest. He was hit in the chest, but ultimately he succumbed to those injuries. I do want to, we'll, we'll touch on that in a little bit. It happened in Elwood, Indiana. It's just, it's just a really sad story. He was so young, early on there on the force. And I, it's, I think it's already hard as a member of the community to hear about, you know, the demise of a police officer. But I immediately, Sophia, thought of you. And I thought, man, I want to talk about this on Unholstered because... I, I, I wanted to just get your reaction. I mean, how does that feel for you? Because, again, I know how it feels for me just a member. And I don't even live in Elwood, Indiana. Obviously, I live here in Fort Wayne. But, man, I just there's just really it's hard to put it into words. It is. And it hits really hard. I think every officer, when, when we hear about these things, and especially when they're in our state and are close to our communities, we really just kind of reflect because at any given moment, that could be any one of us. I mean, you know, they always teach us there's no such thing as a routine traffic stop, but we do so many of them that, you know, and when things don't happen, then it becomes really a surprise when it does. Um, but this, in this instance, he was ambushed. Um, I believe they had made, had statements from the suspect um, that he was going to kill an officer if, if they ever pulled him over. And um, he did that. He he didn't even have time to unholster his weapon. He was just ambushed that quickly. Um, and, and it's, you know, it's always that something in the back of your mind, like, what would I do? Um, he was newer. He was three months out of the academy. Um, and, and I really feel for that department because it's a small town. It's like, I think, 8,500 people. So I'm thinking, you know, Honestly, they probably only have a handful of officers, yeah. so a hit like this is huge for them. And, and everyone's so close in those small towns. Um, and that's what makes it really hard when, when you lose someone like that. It's hard enough in a town like ours that's larger, but I can't imagine like in those smaller towns. And it, it's just very sad because he was only 24 years old and had his whole life ahead of him and wanted to give back to his community. So it, it just strikes really hard. I should say, too, um, you brought up the suspect, uh, Carl Roy Webb boards the second. Mm-hmm. He was 42 years old. He has been taken into custody. 
But you, you mentioned the words routine traffic stop, and I'm actually the one who said it, that he was responding to a routine traffic stop. But to hear you say that no traffic stop is really routine in your yeah. line of work, does that bother you? You know, when people like me, especially in the media, say a routine traffic stop? Because I know that's how it's been plastered all over the media. Yeah, and I think it's just something that people say because they don't know what else to say. I mean, what, what are you going to say? The, the traffic, a traffic stop? traffic stop? Just a traffic stop. Yeah, just stop. traffic stop. Yeah. But I, I think when people get into the habit of saying routine is because it's, you know, we're stopping people for speeding or we're Mm -hmm. stopping people for a light out. I mean, that's kind of what we're supposed to do. Um, So it's not like we're, I think what people get off that routine is where, you know, it's a criminal inside or, you know, that it's so-and-so inside that's a, you know, a felon escaping a warrant or, you know, something like that. So I think people get off on that um, sidebar of, thinking routine is just something we normally do and you know they always teach us it's never it's never routine and never take never be complacent i feel like i want to try to take that word out of my vocabulary when talking about traffic stops yeah i mean we just we just see it differently but like like i said we we say things because that's how we've always said them Mm -hmm. and it's okay i'm i don't there's no offense taken or anything like that i do want to talk a little bit about the gear you're obviously the expert i'm not Uh, but there's been a lot of talk about Noah's gear, like I said, he was wearing a vest. He was hit in the chest. He obviously succumbed to those injuries. And so now there's all this talk about protective gear and what police officers don't have or should have. Do you know kind of what's going on in the scenario with his vest here? So I don't know what type of vest they have, but um, I believe we're issued the... 2A vest, which is the intermediate vest. If you okay, go, so there are multiple there are multiple levels. Yes, so our ta- our SWAT team has a threat level above because they're probably going into uh, more situations where there are high, potentially more high powered guns that are going to be cu- raining down on them potentially. What we see more in our line of work on the day-to-day is more of like a handgun thing. Just to to see a, a rifle or something like that isn't a normal everyday occurrence, but we do see handguns every day. So we kind of go there. And in those higher level vests are a little more cumbersome too. So they can't move as quick. Yeah, you can't move. They're heavier. Okay. Um, and they're... Listen, I have put on the vest that you <laughs> yeah, wear. Yeah, they're not comfortable. No, they're not. And they are heavy. And I can't, even, I can't imagine running in them, sitting in them all day. I don't know how you wear yours in here all the time. Yeah. I can't breathe in it. And you just got to weigh that. I mean, if an officer really wants that, you know, they, there's, they can probably go and get that or request that. Um, most of these vests are paid with government grants. Um and every department has an opportunity to apply for those grants. So wait, let me ask you. So you said you wear like a, a 2A is a yes. level of a vest? Yes, threat level two. How many levels, I guess, are there and what do they go up to? I believe there are three. Okay. Um, but, but again, I am not up, the expert on the vest, yeah. though. I'm, I'm just kind of thinking in my back of my mind. Um, well, this is new to me. I guess it is kind of a common sense, well, of course, thing. But I, I personally have never sat back and really thought about it. Like when you mentioned the SWAT team, I'm like, well, of course they have a higher grade vest. But yeah. I, I don't know. I didn't I didn't think about it. Yeah. And more recently, we we were able to obtain through, again, a government grant. We have steel plates plated vests that we can put over our vests that we're wearing. If we know that, say, we're going into like um, an active shooter where there's a rifle that's present, we have steel plates we put over our vests to protect our vital organs that will withstand a, a rifle round. Um, so, it, it, But again, we, they're so, those are so heavy and so cumbersome. There's no way we could wear those all day. Every day. So in the case, though, of our officer here in Elwood, he probably had on just your standard, again, 
Yeah. Potentially 2A, as it's called. Yeah, and I also heard that there were 36 rounds shot. So Whoa, I did not hear that number. Yeah, because I believe the man was armed with an AK-47. Um, so, th- so he didn't there stand were multiple... a chance with this vest then, essentially, right? No, I mean, not with that many rounds going through. Because even, even, even a vest, while it can withstand several rounds, it's not going to withstand 36, if they're all in that vest area. The the vest will give. It's not it's not a complete protection. Yeah. It just increases your chance of survival. And they're shown effective to work. Police, you know, killings have dropped dramatically once the vest was introduced and it and technology's getting better and it'll get better in ten years it'll be better than it is right now. And it was right now it's better than it was when I came on twenty eight years ago. Mm-hmm. They're a little more comfortable. Um not the best, but they're better than what they used to be. You just mentioned it. You've been with the Fort Wayne Police Department 28 years ago. I try yeah. not to reveal that about you, I Sophia. Know. You again, that came on me. when I was two, yeah, so right? only 30. <laughs> um, but I know you spend a lot of time on the streets and working the streets, and that's really where a lot of your heartbeat has always been. But with that being said, did you do a lot of these traffic stops? <laughs> I mean, walk me through a typical traffic stop. I mean, do you walk up? To every car concerned or thinking, I mean, I know you think everyone's carrying to some degree, but to be carrying an AK-47, that's that's not typical. It's not. Um, You know, you go into these situations thinking, you know, that, yes, this person is potentially armed. And and why are you stopping them? You know, Um, are you stopping them because they just left the scene of a potential crime? So you think they're maybe already some laws have been broken. Are you stopping them for speeding? Are you stopping them because it's a warrant, you know, it's a warrant subject. So there's different levels of your awareness of what you're stopping someone for and what you may encounter. But uh, I don't know what he stopped him for. I don't know if it was speeding or lied out or if he knew who he was or, or anything like that. But you walk up and you just you just constantly your head has to be on a swivel because yeah. the threat is not only in that car, but everywhere around you. Because um, you never know anymore. You just ambushes are up 115 percent against officers, and you just never know what or who is around is that the corner. For Indiana or across the country? across the country? Wow. So it, you know, it's a constant level of awareness um, that never goes away, and it's just you get accustomed to living like that. And unfortunate as it is, it's just the reality of policing. I don't know how you live like that. I've said this before on this show, but for folks who maybe have missed it, um, that was the first thing. One of the very first things when you came into the studio, I mean, we essentially sit in a square box, right? you know, <laughs> but one of your first things is you want to sit where you're sitting and yeah. you made that very clear so you could still see the door. But that, I mean, me, I mean, I have my back to the door. I feel completely safe, by the way, especially yes. when you're here. <laughs> well, thank you. Um, <laughs> But that was like the first thing. That's how hyper vigilant you are, even even in our little old radio studio here on the south side of Fort Wayne, Indiana. Yeah, you got. I went out to dinner last night with a couple officers, and you know, I think we were all fighting for the <laughs> for the seat for the where you seat can see all the, the exits. Door. And we're like, all like, who's gonna get it? And then I relented. I'm like, okay. <laughs> but at least when you're with fellow officers, can you let down that hyper vigilance? Let down that. Yes, because now bit? I have six eyes instead of two. Yeah, and you know, we're we're just all just hyper aware, and I guess it's just my place of operating at a normal level now. So it's not, to me, it doesn't seem unusual. To other people, it may. Okay, well, you say operating on a normal level, but here's the thing. I feel like within just the past couple of years, Sophia, which, as you know, is part of the reason why we created this show, there's just this drum, you know, defund the police. We hate the police. Police are bad. Do you feel like, though, in the last just couple of years, you've had to heighten your senses even more because of some of that rhetoric? I definitely have taken more precautions, um, you know, especially because, you know, I'm a single mom and 
I just take precautions with my family. Mm-hmm. I just want to know where they are all the time, who they're with, where they're going. Um, it, it, I can't. I don't want to. I don't want to be over my children so much that they can't do anything. But I, but I do want to know where they are and who they're with. Um, I, I can't control. I should all parents, <laughs> police officers or not. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I have a different level of worry just because you know. And we were having this discussion this morning as I did some TV interviews. Um, for some things going on in the community. And it was, we were talking about, because I was the former PIO and how just people know me now mm-hmm. and, and they feel like we're friends. Yep. So they're just very friendly and they kind of come into Almost your- too friendly, s- right? Yes, yep. and they mm-hmm. come into your space mm-hmm. and you take a step back and they come, you know, and it's always that little cat and mouse game of like, okay, hold on, you're too, too close. too close for comfort. Yeah, yeah. and- and they mean no ill intent. They really don't. But in my mind, I'm like, why are you getting so close to me? And you know me, but I don't know you. Mm-hmm. And so it's just a weird dynamic as an officer that so many people know who you are. And, and, in, and in turn, I, I worry about my family a little yeah. bit more just because people feel that friendliness to me. You know, that is so true because when we launched this show, I remember, you know, saying, oh, a lot of you might know who she is. She's going to be my co-host, Sophia Rosales-Catina with the Fort Wayne Police Department. And a lot of people do know you or think that they know you from your time as a public information officer. And everyone's like, "That, yep, that name's familiar. I know her. I've seen her on the TV. But you're right. They have that perception that they know you. Yeah. And and I think that's, we. as I was talking to the media person, she said the same thing. She goes, I get that a lot. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, Yeah. it's, it's, you know, like I said, most people have no ill intent. And it's 97% of people are just kind, caring, compassionate, loving people. And it's the 3% though (laughs) that get me on guard. It is always startling when people come up to you and they say, hey, KB, and they talk, talk about your whole life to you. And I'm like, wow, no kidding. You know a lot more about me than I know about myself. Yeah. I do get that. But kind of bringing this back to full circle here to our officer in, in Elwood, I kind of, I did mention defund the police and we're talking about the protective gear that he has. I know you mentioned there are some grants that police departments can apply for to get these vests. But is that the only way you can get them? I mean, certainly, right? When you join the force, they at least give you the lowest grade vest? Or how how does that work? Yeah, every department's different. I mean, we issue everything for our officers. And I will like say... Like at the Fort Wayne Police at Department? At the Fort Wayne Police Department. We issue everything to our officers. And I think we exceed the minimum standard. Um, you what know, is the minimum standard, do you know? You know, like a handgun. Yeah. And a, I, I'm assuming every department issues a vest. I don't know that for sure. There may be some, especially in more rural places that yeah. don't. Um, and, you know, I was reading an article today, especially on these smaller departments. It's not that they don't, they don't want to be trained. It's not that they don't have a desire to be the best. But, you know, nobody wants a tax raise in training costs. Yep. Training has high costs, and when and that's and usually these, the first thing yeah. to go. I mean, when you scream defund the police yeah. for Pete's sake, training's the first thing out the window. And these smaller departments only have three or four people, so who's going to man the streets while people are gone at training? So there's just this push pull dynamic on these smaller departments that people are just unaware of, and they really don't understand until you work at these mm-hmm. small places. And you know, I really feel for them because you know backups. Miles away. Yeah. Um. You know, when when I when we were going to Montana, you know, a couple of weeks ago for the training, I couldn't imagine being an an officer out there and making a traffic stop. I don't even know where your backup would come from. It was desolate for miles. Yeah. So I mean, if so you're I'll, in trouble, you're 
you're on your own. So I always say when people say defund the police, it's it's, pro- it's one of my biggest pet peeves. And if you listen to this program on a regular basis, you know this. You know what <laughs> right. I'm going to say. But people don't know what they're saying yeah. when they say defund the police. Yeah, I think people just operate on emotion, not fact. Yeah, they do. And, you know, it's unfortunate because we can't even have a conversation about what may need to change, if anything, or just understanding what the law allows officers to do just because you don't like it doesn't mean it's, it's illegal. Yeah. yeah. Or it's illegal. Right. Um, and and like I said, I said before on the show, violence is never pretty, mm-hmm. whether we're the ones issuing it or somebody else. I mean, if we have to take someone down. It's never going to be pretty. It's not going to be John Wick taking down the bad guy in, in a you know a, this cool manner. It's it's not pretty at all. And when you watch it on video, you can see that. How come, Sophia? Maybe this is a really dumb question. I'm not really sure. But how come sometimes I see police officers, whether it's county, city, or back in my hometown of Union City, Pennsylvania, they're in full uniform. Some have vests on, and some don't. Is it a preference whether or not you walk around wearing your vest? Some may have it under the shirt. Rather than over, mm-hmm. um, there's two options. I prefer mine over just because it gets hot in the summer yeah. <laughs> and you can yeah. unsnap it in your car and kind of air it out. And some people prefer it under. Um, it just depends on the preference, but you should always be wearing usually one. Usually they're wearing usually, them, right? Yeah, usually they're wearing it somehow. And some of them fit really good um, and you just can't really tell. And some of them... Is that just in terms of trying to have a tactical advantage that, oh, you don't know if I'm wearing one or not? Some do. Some officers probably would use it that way. And um, others, you know, just go for the comfort. Let's wave a magical wand. Uh, Because right now we don't totally have to get into this, but the House of Reps, um, they are debating some legislation when it comes to funding the police. And again, we don't need to get into all of that. But waving this magical wand, Sophia, you know, if... If you could have a say in what we do or do not do, I mean, where would you start? Would you start with hiring more officers or uh, would you start with more training? Would you start with more gear? I mean, and in the perfect congressional world of legislation, which will never happen, but I mean, what would be some of the answers to this problem of police officers being killed in the line of duty? I think first and foremost, the rhetoric has to stop. Yeah. And that'll include our lawmakers in that. Amen. Um, there are some that are spewing rhetoric that is deadly to my brothers and sisters, mm-hmm. and that's unacceptable. Um, you represent everyone in your community, not just who you think you should represent. And to say things that are, to me, abhorrent about my profession and about the people in it willing to sacrifice themselves for their communities. Um, it's repulsive. It is. It is. So I would start there. Um, let's Let's stop with the rhetoric. The second would be is understand what policing is. Um, We hold a class, procedural justice, and it's a four-hour class for community leaders to come into and understand what we do, why we do it, the history of policing, um, and use of force, what that entails, and then you become the police officer, and then you're thrown in the situation where you have to make the decision to shoot or not shoot. Mm -hmm. And people walk away from that with a better understanding. Like I said before, I don't need you to be on my side all the time when things happen. But what I do need you to do is hold space for me until all the information is released, all the videos released, everything's released, and you understand what use of force entails. Because I, I think people have this 
complete misconception on TV police shows about what we can and can't do when we have to read Miranda, when we don't have to read Miranda. And they just have no understanding of anything. They're just going on what they think is true. And that creates problems. Mm -hmm. And if we could have a real conversation about that, like we do on this show, uh, I think we'd, we'd be better served with that. Yeah, but I don't know how you get... People. I don't know how you get individuals to come on board with that. You know, for example, changing rhetoric. I completely 100% agree with you, which I did tell you we were waving a magic wand. So there is that. But I I, I don't know that that'll ever happen, to be honest. In fact, you know, you bring up our lawmakers as well and how they need to change their rhetoric. Personally, I think some of them have taken a hold of that defund the rhetoric, too. And they've Uh, they've used it as an opportunity to push what they want to push and to push their narrative and their agenda. And therein lies the rub. And I'm not saying that that Officers don't do things that they shouldn't do. Well, we all do things. Everyone yeah, in every I, I get, I totally get that. But let's take them on a case by case basis yes. and not black in the eye of the entire United States policing system because a few people have chose to do things that they shouldn't have done, and it's it's no different than lawmakers. Mm-hmm. I know plenty of lawmakers who have screwed up, but I don't blame every lawmaker. Well, we like to drag them that. to the mud for things they did twenty years ago. Yeah. I mean, come on now, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We all so. Do it. You know, I think it's just for me, it's I want to just have conversations mm-hmm. like we have here. And I, I'll do that with the general public. Just come up and talk to me. Um, I think any officer is willing to have that conversation, really. I mean, to set the record straight, I'd be more than happy to have that conversation. OK, I'm dying to ask you this question. Oh, boy. <laughs> as we we're nearing the end. Okay. I can't believe it. As we always run out of time here on this show. We're talking about bulletproof vests and how some are. Uh, higher grades than others Mm -hmm. and some can withstand certain firearms and some can't have you whether it was in training or out in the field been shot while wearing your bulletproof vest no thankfully people ask you that kind of question all the time they just ask me if i've I've ever ever been been shot shot or shot someone well i mean there's a big difference between being shot and then being shot through a bulletproof vest yeah i have never thankfully i don't know that any of our officers have that i can recall um, been shot with their vest here in Fort Wayne. I'd be curious. I mean, certainly it's still got to leave a mark. Yeah, it, it, it will leave a huge bruise yeah. on you. It may, depending on the size of the round, break your skin. Um, but ultimately, it, if it's been taken care of properly, because you still have to maintain those. You still, If you sweat a lot, you have to make sure that they dry out. You oh. have to make sure, you know, there's still means to take care of those yeah. things. Um, and you have to make sure that they're replaced because they don't last forever. How about often do you replace yours? About every five to six years. Okay. Yeah. So we, we the academy is really good at keeping up on that and getting them replaced as needed. Because, you know, in very, as academies graduated, they're, everyone's on a different year of replacement. So it just makes it easier. So you kind of get a, probably yeah. a new batch coming yeah, in. Yeah, every, every year. year we get a new batch. Every year we have in-service where they take us out, get us measured so we're properly fit for the new vest. And they've oh, come up each with, vest is measured and fit to you. To yeah, to oh, the I officer. Didn't that. Yeah, yeah. And and that's you have to because everyone's so different size-wise, women versus men, you know. Okay, this is really bad. I don't know. I'm I'm envisioning like a life vest. You know, you buy the like you get the small, <laughs> medium or large, you pick from the small, medium or large, zip it up and you got what you got. Yeah, so no, they take like a small, medium, large and then they'll say take off 2 inches or cuz they're standard sizes or you'll get a bigger size to, and they'll cut them to the officer's huh. specifications. I did not know that yeah. I had no intention of really like going down this rabbit hole yeah. of bulletproof vests. Yeah. Um, 
but truly that's how uneducated I am about it. So yeah, certainly I'm, I can't be the only one. No, I'm know? sure there's plenty of people. You're not in this line of work. Why would you be educated right, on it? Right. Just like you, you probably know. don't know all the different kind of microphones no, that absolutely we have in the studio, right? <laughs> well, Sophia, like I mentioned, we always seem to run out of time so quickly on this show, but just kind of bringing it back to the beginning. I mean, this latest death of, of this police officer in Elwood, I think I said in the beginning, there really are no words. And to top it off, you came in here actually with stats about police officer shootings thus far that we've already had. And it's staggering to me. It, it is. And, you know, the, the week that Officer Chavez Navas died, there were five officers killed in the line of duty that from Sunday that to Sunday week? For, throughout the nation. Yes. So it's. It's a growing trend. I mean, not all by gunfire, um, but still, they're they're out sacrificing for their communities. And I just want to say my heartfelt condolences um, to this officer, his family, yeah. his coworkers, his friends, because this is a hard hit, and it 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 deeply wounds me um, as another officer who works in his state. I didn't know him, but in this world, I feel him. Mm -hmm. So I feel for his family and his friends and his colleagues, and I just want to extend my deepest condolences to him. Have funeral arrangements been made or will the Fort Wayne Police Department, did they take part in, in the proceedings for that? Usually we'll take our pipe and drum okay. down, band down and it because it's the, the proximity of this to our city. I'll, I'll be going down as well for the funeral. Well, Sophia, really well said. Like, I just I wanted to get your thoughts and your just human reaction. I also say this all the time, but sometimes I, I think we think police officers aren't human and that they're robots and they don't feel like we feel. So thank you for sharing uh, I'm with you. My heart, um, my prayers go out to his family, his friends. I, I just, it's horrifying to me. I feel bad for saying the word routine traffic stop all week <laughs> long while talking about it in, in the news. Um, if you've missed anything on this story, we actually have um, on the radio station that I work at during the week, wobo.com. We've got tons of information there. It's actually a wild, awful story yeah. um, to read through the whole thing in the police chase. If you want to check it out there, you can. Next week, I know we are going to touch a little bit on human trafficking, sex trafficking. Um, there's so much I want to dive into that I one, know. not only on a local level, but also on a national level. Yes, I kind of want to dip into the um, Jeffrey Epstein situation, too, if you're okay with that. Yeah, um, we can talk about all of that. All yeah. the things. Um, as always, if you've missed any previous episodes of Unholstered, you can download the Unholstered podcast anywhere you download a podcast. Your town, your team, your topics. This is Unholstered. Thanks for listening to Unholstered. Be sure to subscribe to us on Spotify, Apple, or wherever you listen. And remember, you can listen every Saturday morning at 1030 on WoWo 1190 and 1075 FM. Podcasts by Federated Media.